Abigail Marsh is a clinical dietitian working at Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. She sees patients who have serious tummy troubles, like IBS or inflammatory bowel disease. In a moment between consultations, we're sitting in an office in the basement of the hospital, and she's telling me about a new type of therapy her team are trialling in patients with recurrent C. diff infections. In the area I'm working at, faecal microbial transplant is becoming a hot topic, and that's been shown to be the most effective therapy for what we call recurrent C. diff infection, which is basically when a person has really bad diarrhoea. Infection. Fecal microbial transplant. Yep, you heard that right. In layperson's terms, it's a poo transplant. A fecal microbial transplant. So that's basically a poo transplant. It's when you get a healthy poo sample from a donor with a healthy gut microbiota, and this piece of poo is inserted into the person's gut and that basically stimulates the good bacteria to grow and can help treat infections or disturbances in the gut microbiota. It is quite gross but it can be um, important especially for those people as I mentioned who do have recurrent C. diff infection that is the go-to treatment. Hi, I'm Elise and welcome to the latest episode of the My Amazing Body podcast, where we explore interesting, unknown and misunderstood parts of your body. Today, we're learning about your gut microbiome. Gut bacteria, or more specifically, gut microbes, are tiny microorganisms that live in your gut. They're alive and, as we'll soon find out, are usually more your friends than your foes. As a group, we call them your gut microbiome. Breaking news. Researchers discover almost 2,000 new gut Evidence bacteria. Evidence mounts that gut bacteria can influence the health of bacteria. Seven things you can do now to the gut microbiome has become a hot topic of conversation in the health science world in recent years, with research beginning to show that your gut microbiome might play a role in everything from obesity to mental well-being. From your stomach right through your intestines, your unseen gut bacteria are having a big impact on your life. So what are the bugs living in your guts? Why are they important? And are they secretly controlling you? Are they worth getting a poo transplant over? I'm currently working in surgery and doing a functional gut clinic. I'm also doing my PhD part-time at the moment and I'm looking at a dietary intervention in inflammatory bowel disease and what the effects are on patient symptoms, quality of life, inflammation and their gut microbiome. That's Abby again. When it comes to your gut, Abby and the teams she works with are keen to keep your gut healthy. Because when your guts are good, you're likely to be more healthy overall. A lot of your gut health depends on the health of your gut microbiome. So there is approximately 100 trillion microorganisms living in the human gut. So most of them are bacteria, but also fungi, viruses and protozoa. Sick. 
Since the invention of the microscope in the late 1500s and the discovery of microorganisms in the 1600s, we've known that there are tiny living creatures that exist beyond our eyesight. It wasn't until the mid-1880s, however, that an Austrian doctor called Theodor Escherich, who was studying diarrhoea in children, first discovered living bacteria in the human gut. The bacteria he discovered was named Escherichia coli, or, as you might know it, E. coli. Since then, we've learned that the microbes in our gut play a complex role in our health. So we have a two-way relationship with our gut microbiome. So diseases can cause changes in microbiome. However, some changes that are initiated by, say, poor diet or the environment can cause disease. So it's a bit cyclical. Disturbances to our gut microbiota has been shown to contribute to many conditions. So, for example, when looking at chronic diseases, such as obesity, inflammatory bowel disease, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, liver disease, they've all been associated with imbalances in the human microbiota. Numerous other diseases have been associated with this disbalance. So when the basically bad bacteria take over from the good bacteria, this can lead to infection, um, respiratory disorders, autoimmune diseases, irritable bowel syndrome, and even mental or psychological disorders. Good bacteria and bad bacteria. It sounds simple, right? But is the key to our gut health as basic as a childhood story with goodies and baddies? Well, there is good and bad bacteria, so to speak. For example, the good bacteria in our body often have an anti-inflammatory effect. So an example of one of these bacteria would be the bifidobacterium. So you might have heard of that because it's often found in fermented foods such as yogurt and cheese. And then other bacteria can have a more negative effect on the body and is what we refer to as pro-inflammatory. For example, bacterioroids and clostridia. Some of these have been associated with intestinal infections. However, it's not quite that simple. Nothing really about the gut microbiome is simple. When we consider a healthy gut microbiome, it's more one when there is a high alpha diversity, which is kind of microbial richness, and there is higher ratios of the good to bad bacteria. So disease occurs when the good bacteria is no longer able to control the bad bacteria. So when talking about what is a healthy gut microbiome, scientists usually look at what they call the alpha diversity. So this is basically the number of different species living in the gut, and there is trillions of this. They say that variety is the spice of life, and it turns out that's true for your gut microbiome too. So how do we make sure we have a diverse gut microbiome? Abby says we need to think about the big picture when it comes to making sure our gut microbiomes are healthy and diverse. The difference of the microbiome in adults is related to things like our diet, how old we are, where we live, any medicines we're taking, and sort of things in the environment like any pesticides or pollution. So we know that the gut microbiome is modified since birth. So whether you have a C-section or a 
vaginal delivery that can influence our microbiome. And then as a baby, if we're formula fed or if we're breastfed, and then as we age, our diet, antibiotics and illness can all influence the gut microbiome. Stress, as I mentioned, can cause disturbances in the gut microbiome. So trying to think about ways to de-stress. Other things that affect gut health are smoking. That can definitely reduce the number of good bacteria and promote the growth of the bad bacteria. If you're trying to improve your gut health, looking at what you eat is a great place to start. There are lots of foods out there that are marketed to be good for your gut health. But how effective are they? We asked Abby, should we all be on a yogurt and kombucha diet? Okay, so basically to get a healthy gut microbiota, you want to have a balanced diet, which is what we're always told. It's especially important to ensure that we have enough fibre, especially what we call prebiotic fibre. So prebiotic fibre is the fibre that passes through the gastrointestinal tract undigested, and this stimulates the growth of good bacteria in the large intestine as it is fermented. This prebiotic fibre can also help suppress the bad bacteria, and that promotes an optimal environment for good digestive health. So where can you find this good prebiotic fibre? It's in um, lots of vegetables we eat. So green beans, asparagus, beetroot, even in garlic and onion. It's found in legumes, so chickpeas, lentils, kidney beans. It can be found in some fruits, so apples, nectarines, peaches, in some of our breads and cereals, so couscous, oats, barley, and in cashews and pistachio nuts. However, if you have too much of this prebiotic fibre, you'll probably know because you might get a lot of gas and bloating. (sighs) Another way to promote a healthy gut is by having probiotic foods. So probiotics are found naturally in yogurt, um, cottage cheese, pickled vegetables. Um, Kombucha is a health food on the market that I'm sure you've heard of that people are drinking lots of. And probiotics are basically live microorganisms that function like the good bacteria in the gut. So this can help repopulate the beneficial bacteria, especially when you've had, say, a course of antibiotics or something that has suppressed this good bacteria. Probiotic foods are good as they can help repopulate the good bacteria and decrease the bad bacteria. It's really important that we get our prebiotics and probiotics from a range of places. If you just have kombucha alone, you might get lots of the good bacteria that's caused by kombucha, but miss out on all the other good bacteria which are needed for other functions of the body. So it is really important that we do ensure we have a balanced diet, include lots of food groups, and that will contribute to optimal gut health. Is there anything we should avoid if we're trying to look after our gut microbiome? Abby says the research is still developing, but there are a few clues about the food and drink we should limit for the sake of your gut health. Um, If we want to look at the foods to avoid, as they can be detrimental to the gut health, recent evidence has said foods which contain lots of artificial sweeteners can reduce the diversity of the gut microbiome. 
So food additives such as emulsifiers, common in many processed foods, for example ice cream, have also been shown to reduce the gut microbiome diversity. And a diet which contains lots of animal products, such as meat and dairy, can also increase the number of pro-inflammatory microbes and decrease the good ones. And in terms of fluid, water doesn't seem to have an effect either way. It's more things like the soft drink that can have an influence on the gut microbiota, especially those sugary. Sugary drinks can cause an imbalance. When was the last time you indulged in a little bit too much sometimes food? You reached for the second donut or that last Tim Tam, even though you knew you didn't really need to eat it, feeling like it was somehow out of your control. Well, studies have started to show that it's possible that your gut bacteria might be giving you a helping hand when it comes to deciding when and what to eat. So can bacteria control us? That's an interesting question that is becoming more researched in recent times. So there is strong evidence that shows that the gut microbiota plays a role in altering appetite signaling, as well as increasing the energy extraction from the food and increasing the nutrient harvesting. There has also been some research that suggests that our gut microbiota may influence our food choices. So the kind of method behind this is that the gut microbes may manipulate the host's eating behaviour in a way to promote their fitness at the expense of our fitness. For example, eating more sugar may increase the bacteria that feeds on the sugar inside the gut, and then this bacteria grows and reproduces more quickly, which in turn, this over-signalling causes us to eat more sugar, so it becomes a bit of a circle. However, this has been mainly shown in animal models and so there is no strong evidence, I guess, yet that we can blame our gut for making us eat that bit of cake to say, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So we've learned that our gut health depends on a lot of factors like our diet, sleep and environment and our gut health can affect everything from how we feel to what food we might crave. It's a delicate balancing act. Like being on a tightrope. So what happens when the balance starts to get a bit off-kilter? We spoke to one Queenslander who found out the hard way. I um, was starting to get really bad reflux every day. My stomach just wasn't feeling the best. It'd always be churning and eating would be really like not painful but it was just something wasn't right. That's Sarah. Like a lot of Queenslanders when Sarah was a teenager she got a casual job to earn a little extra dough. In her case it was literal dough as well as money. Sarah worked a few days a week at the local bakery. So I started working at the bakery when I was about 15 and I was there until about 18. So it was really difficult to not eat the freshly baked bread. It was really hard working when there was, yeah, fresh bread being baked. Like the smell of fresh bread is really tempting. So the girls that I used to work with, we decided to try and drink sugar-free soft drink to stop us eating so much food as it was always in front of us. So 
I got to a stage where I was drinking about one of the 1.25 litres of sugar-free soft drink per shift. So I'd normally work about five days a week, so it's a lot of soft drink. Sarah and her friends thought they were making a healthy decision. They knew that eating heaps of tempting baked treats every shift wasn't a balanced dietary choice. But in trying to correct that behaviour, Sarah learned that too much of anything isn't good for your gut. So I guess we kind of thought that if we drank soft drink, it would stop us eating. So we thought we were doing the right thing in terms of not gorging on food and just drinking soft drink to kind of suppress that hunger. But turns out it wasn't so great at the end. (laughs) Um, So I went to my GP who said I'd basically messed up the acidity in my stomach by drinking so much soft drink. So I had to go on a course of tablets to bring that acidity down. Six years on and Sarah's still feeling the effects of her soft drink overload. And now I've had to be really careful of drinking soft drink because the acidity in my stomach is still very volatile. Beyond a hungry tummy rumble or the times you feel a bit bloated and gassy after a big night, you might not pay that much attention to your gut health. But as we've learned, your overall health and the health of trillions of microbes depend on you being mindful of what's going on in your gut. Thanks for joining us for another episode of My Amazing Body. My Amazing Body is brought to you by Queensland Health. With a special thanks to our expert guest, Abigail Marsh, patient Sarah, and my podcast colleagues, Lauren, our researcher, writer, and producer, Carol, our audio technician, and Dan, our music guru. 